0: Three little kittens lost their mittens and they began to cry. But my hands were warm at the inaugural snorer because it should have been me swearing in on a Torah. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Habituation Room podcast live stream on another Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or whenever the hell you're listening to this in the future, all you future people. Drop us a line. Let us know if we make it. I am still your host. I'm still Francesca Fiorentini. That's right. The most Italian name ever. I challenge you to find me a more Italian name. My name sounds like it was once a racial slur against Italians. Anyway, um, we have such a good show for you this week. Um, I'm so excited because uh, we're talking about big tech. We are talking about what's been going on in the you know Twitter Nazi ban world and whether we're for that um, and what it means for the future of big tech. Um, and what it means for the future of censorship, or whatever the right is calling it. Um, Catherine Trendacosta of the Electronic Frontier Foundation, Foundation, there we go, Foundation, is here to talk all about that. And also, comedian Mike Bridenstine is here. Uh, he's the best, so I'm so happy to finally have him on the show. Um, and this is episode, if anyone's been keeping track, it's episode 69, Woo-ee! that's what you do when you 69 now you can't really do that else actually you can't it's very muffled if you do that but i would like to get a lot of nices going in the comment section please 34 plus 35 as ariana grande would say i'm not a fan i'm gonna be honest. not a fan of the position like i get why it's hot but like you can't do two things at once it's just it's too much It's too much. Okay, we can talk about that another time, maybe on a bonus episode, Uh, because we do have bonus episodes, often for patrons only, initially, like this week I had a patron-only episode uh, looking at all of the photographs of the Trump administration, so if you haven't seen that, become a patron, patreon.com slash room. you can get access to that, I will make it available to everybody very, very soon. Um, and if you are watching right now, I hope you've liked the stream and you've subscribed and all that in the future. I hope you're rating this podcast. Give that baby five stars, write something nice. Somebody left a one star comment and I'm like, get triggered, bitch. Yeah, I want to just shout out the people who've become patrons on this episode 69. You are the sexiest people on the planet. I have determined that um, because you're amazing. You support this show. We've got new patrons and I've got a new Patreon party song for you. Here we go. It is by also the man, I believe a man who has... Done the intro music for this show. Doesn't know it. It's an open source. Uh, must credit him. Kevin McLeod, not MacLeod. Uh, it's an Irish name. McLeod. Kevin McLeod. Always banging on the keyboards, Kevin McLeod, giving out your music for free. Okay. Not the greatest Irish accent. Here we go. Patron party.
1: Hell yeah. Is this appropriate?
0: Thank you so much to J.H., to Leslie B., to Sage Johnny, the Clyde, Truth Seeker, Michelle F., John C., Kev S., and Kyle S. Thank you, Kyle, for everything you do. Also, thank you to everyone who has increased their patron pledge, uh, August H and AJG, and Chris M. You can totally uh, increase your pledge if you're given $5 a month, But uh, and you want to make it $10, i will give you a shout-out. And also, thank you to the big tippers, people who've tipped TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App, Jenny S, one V... Vern, I thought that was going to be longer. I wanted the long final. See, this is the thing. I've got too many patrons and people who are the sexiest people on the planet than Kevin McLeod has farts. So I win, Kevin. Your move. Um, but Jenny S1V, Vern V, George B, and Andrea A, thank you so much uh, for being tippers. If you tip 20 bucks or more, you get a shout out. Um, I hope you guys are good. I hope everyone is... Uh, very safe and and well. I want to quickly give you what I am bitching about and then bring in Mike for the hour. Um, this is quite serious, uh, which is that I lost an uncle this week to COVID. And I have been... Um, kind of in disbelief and in shock and just very fucking sad about the whole thing and sad about the now 417,000 others who have lost their lives to coronavirus. And I think people that we all know, um, I wasn't very close to him. I was close to him, but, but not, you know, we weren't like talking all the time. Um, but he should not have died. That's the bottom line. And I feel like the people um, around him were not necessarily taking care of him. You know, he's an older man, he's over 75. So um, he was someone who uh, was able to take, he could take precautions. Um, and sadly, those didn't happen. And so I think it was a senseless loss of life, just like I think so many of these lives that have been lost it is just senseless um, because of the government inaction, um, because of a lack of a vaccine rollout plan. Now, of course, this is the first week of Biden. We're gonna get into all of that. Um, we, we will see what happens. Um, but we've got 25 million cases in this country, you guys. There is a new strand of COVID that is more contagious and arguably, it seems like some of the data is showing it's more deadly than the original strain of COVID. This is not going anywhere soon. Um, And I'm so fucking sad and sick of it. I miss my friends. I miss my family. I want to hug my mom. I want to go out. I want to do stand up. But what's so annoying to me and so frustrating is that I think that and and I don't believe, we should not be blaming people at all for what has happened to them. But I am mad that people who know better are not doing better. And I'm mad that we've got such little um, leadership in this country that even if you don't even, even if you don't like Trump, you know, even if you're like, ah, oh, that guy's an idiot, I would never listen to what he says. And I generally wear a mask. Even, even the lack of leadership that he projected trickles down and it affects people. And I think it also affects People with means and people who know better. And I'm I'm also, this is the week where, you know, Dave Chappelle got COVID. Dave Chappelle's been doing live shows this entire time. He has rapid tests. He has audiences wear masks, et cetera, et cetera. But the dude's in Austin and he's hanging out with Grimes and Elon Musk and Joe Rogan. And let me just be real. I don't, kind of only want one of those people to make it out alive. And that's Michelle Wolf, who was a comic who was also, also there. <laughs> no, I do. I want I want Chappelle to, to live. Oh, my God. I want him to live. But this is what I'm saying. There is a hubris that comes along when you are famous or you have means that you think that somehow COVID is not going to affect you, that you think that you are absolved for, from taking responsibility, um, and you're not. And, in fact, you know, you... You actually have a if you have a fuck ton of privilege to not live with your parents right now, to not be an essential worker, to be able to work from home, uh, to be able to have health care, to be able to quarantine, then do it. That's it. There is It's the bottom line. Just fucking do it. Everyone is sick of this. You're not special. That's it. You're not special. Um, And yeah, if Chappelle were like, hey, for Jessica, you want to come to Austin and do a show? it would be very hard for me not to go. But I haven't, luckily I'm not far along in my career enough where I have to make those hard choices. And that's what I'm ultimately saying is don't excel in your career. So you don't have to make those hard choices. You know, you don't have to be like, do I wanna be famous? No, you don't. You just want to stay inside forever. No, I I'm 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 sort of skirting between being serious and not serious. Um, my 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 good friend slash person I've never met, but I love Cardi B, has been holding maskless parties. And my producer Becca was like, you better come for Cardi, because she's been fucking up too. Absolutely. Anyway, all to say I'm I'm tired of this. I know we can I know we can get over this. I know we can do better. I know that like Wuhan, China is having EDM festivals outside. Like, when the fuck do we get there? I want that. It might require a big government, just a little. Some government. I feel like it might require some government, some government government. As opposed to no government. All right. Guys, let me know what you're bitching about in the comments. And I want to hear from my comic for the hour. You, let me get his bio, have seen him on the Eric Andre Show, Adam Devine's House Party, and Last Call with Carson Daly. He is the host of the podcast, Hunk, with Mike Bridenstine. Please welcome comedian Mike Bridenstine.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. What's going on, Mike? I had prepared for you my favorite street joke which was about 69 and then i heard your thing and i was like totally not the time for that
0: (laughs) it's okay it's okay we can we have to laugh not to cry i am a firm believer in that
1: well what is the difference between uh driving in fog and a 69 uh, when you're driving in fog, you can't see the asshole in front of you. Would have landed stronger <laughs> when I had a, <laughs> uh, before that. I, I come in, coming in hot with inappropriate material already.
0: I, I love it. First <laughs> of all, this is the time to be inappropriate. When Catherine gets here, we got to zip it up though. Sure. Sure. Um, sure. You know, we got to talk about serious shit, but uh, you can't see the, when you're driving in fog, you can't see the asshole in front of you.
1: Yeah. So. You can. <laughs> In the 60s, I, like,
0: I feel like it is like driving in fog. You're like, I don't know. I, I guess I'm doing. I guess I'm on the right side of the road here. Anyway, I do think 69ing is safer than driving in fog. Well,
1: I I, I feel great about being here for that for 69. Yeah,
0: is that what you're bitching about too? What are you bitching about today, Mike? Okay,
1: it's not again not as happy as yours. But I saw something I've been wanting to see. It was on Hulu. Dropped Friday. It's called In and of Itself, Derek DelGadio. He's a magician. I watched I've been wanting to see this thing. People have been talking it up. I talk uh-huh. to magicians. I like magic. I'm a magic nerd. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to apologize. That's okay. Wa- That's better than being it. it.
0: You want to be a magician? Or did you ever want to be a magician? You're just like, nah, let's leave it to the professionals. No,
1: I just like it. Yeah. And then so I watched it. I thought it was amazing. And I recommended it to some of my friends. Uh, To a person, they all fucking hated it and are mad at me for them watching it. I thought it was, like, one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And it wasn't just them. They're like, dude, seriously? Like, my wife is really mad that we have, like, only, like, one night without the kids, and that's what we watched.
0: (laughs) Fucking magic. What was it?
1: Like, how was it that bad? Was it, like, It's really good. It's really good, but... I say that knowing that none of my dude friends or their significant others liked it at all. So I don't know. What's I thought the, it was really the documentary
0: good. again? Tell me. I want to watch it. I want to be the arbiter.
1: It's a one man show called In and of Itself and it's on Hulu and it stars Derek Delgadio. Man, I, I I interviewed a few magicians for my show. They all were like, you're going to, this is like for the real heads, this is what's happening. And then Kumail Nanjiani told me it was awesome. I'm name dropping Kumail because he told me he's a movie star. He told me,
0: (laughs) yeah, don't blame me, blame Kumail (laughs) and his, you know, vegan muscles or whatever the fuck.
1: He's got vegan muscles or whatever the fuck. He
0: does. He does have or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I wanted. That's the greatest magic trick
1: ever. Maybe that's why he liked it because he's pulled a magic on himself. I've never watched something that I thought was so good, told my friends, and then had them be like, no.
0: There it's very hard. There are things where you're like, Maybe there's no one for me. And then <laughs> then you go to Reddit and you're like, There's someone for me,
1: you know? Yeah. Maybe maybe the quarantine has driven us apart and they like things that I don't know. Maybe it's like college. It's like college, freshman year, everyone gets fat and you don't have any likes of the same from your high school friends.
0: No, yeah, yeah. We I, First of all, when this is over, we're going to feel like we're in college and freshman year when you're just like, well, I'm going to have to thrust myself into this random situation yeah. because I must be social, you know, yeah. and and just stick it out and like, <laughs> cool. Um, you can't leave early. Don't no. leave early. We're staying till the end. Um, Mike, this has been such a week and we've got like four stories that are super wonky, but will be good because this has been the first half week of the Biden administration. Yeah. Um. So shall we get into it? Should we get into yeah. this week? Okay. Yeah. This is, everybody, The Week Where. This was The Week Where. Joe Biden was sworn in as the 46th president of the United States. Uh, Biden took his oath by placing his left hand on a Bible that was comically large. Like... <laughs> It was either a book of spells or just one of his endless anecdotes written out. <laughs>
1: yeah. It was Andre the Giant's Bible.
0: It was so big. And you like, and it was dwarfing Jill. Like Jill was holding it. It was like, ugh, and and I'd never noticed the Bibles before, but goddamn. <laughs> um but okay, so there was if you had missed the inauguration, let me just spell it out for you. There were fireworks and Katy mm-hmm. Perry saying firework. Um,
1: On the nose, on the
0: nose. Yep, super, exactly, there it was. Um, Facts are facts, fireworks are sung, there are the fireworks, Um, back to reality. Uh, J-Lo sang, this land is your land, and then broke into her own song, Mm -hmm. because when you're 50 and you look that good, you can do whatever you want.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) That's pretty much what she did. Um, Also, the poet laureate, Amanda Gorman, read a poem that made me weep. Did it? Oh, yeah, I mean- When I first listened to it, I was like, it's spoken word. Time to shut down. Like, generally. I yeah. A, yeah. Speaking of college, I like, you know, the spoken word starts to feel like, uh, you know, you're like, you're not sure if it's going to be good or bad. And then you just listen and you're like, oh, this is amazing. Right, right, right. Um, And of course, Mike, I'm not sure if you heard, but Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Sat in the cold, uh, dressed down in his jacket and giant mittens in a crappy foldable chair and channeled the real America and our real American attitude right now. Tired, worn down from the pandemic, fucking no relief, no stars in our eyes about the pomp and circumstance, arms completely folded uh, and just glaring as if to say, yeah, okay, good.
1: Now let's get to work. I watched that whole thing with like Bernie energy too.
0: Right? Was just like, uh-huh. I can't even they're folded like this. There he was the mittens were so big.
1: He was doing so, like a little like a DX chop, but like <laughs> with a mitten so you couldn't see it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So big. But yes, that was the energy. I was like, uh-huh. Yeah. Historic moving on. Um, but I wanna say that of course there were all the memes. And then the news outlets that suddenly feel very safe to talk about Bernie because they're like Biden's in office, we can finally talk about Bernie all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do want to say like, like there's something incredibly cozy, isn't? The, what's the German word for cozy? Or, like, something where it's, like, ning, ning, ning. there is a German word that's just, like, all oh, Bernie and mittens, Bernie and mittens, Bernie and mittens. Like, there was just, it just, like, it was, like, ASMR, Bernie and mittens go so well together. So, I've written a couple of nursery rhymes that I feel, like, also go with this moment. Ooh. If you will allow me. Yeah. Um,
1: will you do it in spoken word?
0: Uh No, but I can try. <laughs> uh No, rhyming has a very particular... I'm supposed to yes, and
1: you. Yes, sure. (laughs) Fine. Um, No, that one called for a no.
0: Okay, good. Because rhyming, look, nursery rhymes have a very specific rhythm. So it's uh, Joe and Jill went up to the hill. Here we go. Joe and Jill went up to the hill to receive their inauguration. Trump fell down and broke his crown. And it's cold as balls in the capital of the nation. I feel like that's what was going on in his head. Uh, next I like one, it. yeah. Thank you. Three little kittens lost their mittens, and they began to cry. But my hands were warm at the inaugural snorer, cause it should have been me swearing in on a Torah.
1: Boom! <laughs> Put your mitten on the Torah, buddy. <laughs> that like would
0: have been so good. I want Bernie's hand on a, let's make that fanfic happen. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I need that. Um Becca the producer says it's not German, it's Swedish. And it's Higi, Heige? Heige. That means cozy apparently. Heige. Heige. Haige does sound cozy. Heige. Oh, it's like Bjork would say
1: that. Oh just everything is so higa. <laughs>
0: Bernie was so high on that day. Um, all right. Uh, the we'll inauguration, I wouldn't
1: say that uh, the, the bar was so low. I loved Trump's just as like a moment like where I thought I was going crazy. It felt like you were at a wedding where everyone knew that they the bride and groom were cousins. That's That's what Trump's felt like. So like this one, like I'm not, I was going to, I wanted to weep. But then I remembered it's Joe Biden, who I'm not very excited about, but everything's better than a a first cousin wedding, which was four years ago.
0: Oh, my God. It was. See, people were like, oh, this is really surreal. I was like, no, 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 no. no." I was at Trump's inauguration. That shit was the most surreal ever. And number one, being surrounded by people who actually wanted to be there um, was insane. And also the fact that no time travelers from the future tried to stop it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, I was like, well, we fucked up. Didn't we like Elon Musk can suck it. There is nothing in the future. No time travelers. Cause if there was, we would have tried to prevent this.
1: I made a joke. Like, I bet he still tries to say it's the largest crowd of all time. And then when he did, I was like, Oh, comedy's done. Great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know. But I, you know, it, I think, it's interesting because, and I appreciate everyone who's watching the show and listening to the show, but I think simultaneously people are sick of politics mostly and political comedians because it's been one nonstop, like Trump is a walking satire, the explosion of political comedy and like monologue jokes. i like, I get everyone's fatigued, you know, but yeah. that's why you got to stick with the real ones who have been out here. Who been providing this content from before the Trump administration. But um yeah, it was I'm just glad that no one then like again all the entire inauguration, I was like, nobody kill him, nobody kill him, nobody kill him, you know, for this one. <laughs> you know, like and he's in. And did he die? No. And just make it through the speech, make get into the White House, get in, get in, getting
1: get, in, get, in, get, in. get to noon, baby. Stay alive till noon. Stay
0: exactly. Then you can sleep. Um because, you know, he took a big ass nap when he first walked in there. I actually no, I think he had to they had to stay awake for all the Katy Perry and Tom Hanks and all the other, you know, pedophiles that <laughs> from Hollywood, yeah. you know, the socialist pedophiles. Um, but it was, you know, it's good. It's good. And, and they did get to work. Um, but I do want to mention that this was the week where moving on Trump left. He finally fucking left. Trump left the White House. The QAnon prophecy failed to deliver the so-called Great Awakening, much to the dismay of Karens with kitchen towels that say it's one o'clock somewhere. <laughs> um, Trump left with an incredibly ominous message as well. Let me just play this for y'all. A
1: hey, goodbye. We love you. We will be back in some form. <laughs> oh, I hope it's a uh, ghost. <laughs> just a g to the end you gotta shout out to the realest one
0: just a patrick swayze where he's got he's like haunting the white house and he's like no um, i can't
1: i can't prove it but if anybody does the pottery trump dead trump will be behind you
0: oh absolutely all the time um ghost i i just think yeah, saying saying that you're gonna be back in some form is like the most ominous shit ever. Like this is what like the Simpsons alien said, you know. Like this <laughs> yeah. is just like, yes, we will be back in some form. Next time it will be human, you know. Like this flesh suit has served us well. Like. <laughs> Who says that? It's so weird. Um, But according to reports, Trump is entertaining the idea of creating a third party that he hopes to use to challenge any Republicans who crossed him, like those who voted to impeach him. Um, The party is going to perhaps be called the Patriot Party. Super. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because nothing says loyalty to a country like being willing to destroy the country for a television bigot. Um, And let me just say there is not enough popcorn in the world for me to eat while watching Trump divide the right and swing more elections for Democrats. Like I will bask in the glow of the flaming ashes of the Republican Party like a pagan witch and then paint my body in that ash while I free bleed all over Steve Mnuchin's private plane.
1: She's thought about this, you guys. So
0: (laughs) that is my, (laughs) I fucking love it. Like the, I mean, in like the infighting in the Republican party is something I think every progressive and leftist must be for. You're not above it. You know, someone in the comments earlier said, you know, they're enjoying watching all their Republican relatives get upset. And, uh, and do they, should they feel bad?
1: No, never. There's so Democrats have a donkey, Republicans, what like Republicans have an elephant? What should is it just Trump as Rambo? Because his supporters, my favorite thing that of all the lies, my favorite one is that they think that he's a has a muscle body, <laughs> they hate his real body so much,
2: right?
0: Like, why they're so it's so funny though, also because. Whenever you call him fat or disgusting, you know, or uh, morbidly obese or, you know, whatever, like a few hamburgers stacked, stacked on top of one another. It's always progressives and the left or like Democrats who are just like, oh, my God, no body shame. Like, no, no. He forfeited the right to be to be free from body shaming. You Fuck did, my, that you
1: did uh, my show and we decided uh, there was a meme someone showed where he looks like the front part of a minotaur. <laughs> yes. Like. There should be a horse's whole body behind him, the way he stands. (laughs) Also, the thing with people trying to act like Trump is just like, you guys have been doing this for four years. He's been doing crazy for 70. That's why he's better. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, do you think that the Patriot Party would stand a chance? Like, what would that mean? So this is, of course, the same week that Liz Cheney um, is being like censured in the no, no, no. Who's the wife, wife McCain? Um, is it also Liz? Cindy McCain was being censured in Arizona for, um, basically not supporting the president and not trying for like a fifth recount or what are we on right now? Or like upholding any of the, you know, the bogus claims that he, you know, had the election stolen from him. So there's a rift forming. But I mean, I don't know what, there's some people who are think, look, I mean, you've got Republican family members. I don't know. How did they vote this time around? And do you think they would vote for the Patriot party?
1: One, one Republican family member abstained from the presidency in Iowa, a swing state that went red. So no Patriot party. And if you've lost Avis Bridenstine, you've lost the Midwest. (laughs) She's 93 years old. Oh, Avis. She lived through real Nazis, not voting for Tom Cotton Nazis or whatever we're calling. I them. love
0: I love you Avis, but Avis didn't vote at all then.
1: Is she in the chat, Avis? No. Uh yeah, she did not she voted down ballot but not for the presidency. So She
0: didn't she couldn't bring herself to to vote for Biden. Not quite there yet.
1: Yeah, not quite there yet. I mean oh. and it, it wasn't because she was coming at him from the left either. So I don't know. She just can't vote with a D next to it. I don't know. No, I I think that's
0: a large part of it, which will be interesting when there's a P. It's like, Patriot, (laughs) what do you do? Um, We'll see. I'm excited for him to divide the party more and more. I'm excited for Ivanka to maybe run against Marco Rubio in Florida. That might happen.
1: Super. Just just kill each other all. I mean, like, metaphorically, don't get uh, John Mulaney's uh, Secret Service at me, so
0: yeah please metaphorically but yeah i know this is one dog fight where i'm like i have no dogs in this fight but i will bet (laughs) on all of them
1: (laughs) i will be here um with a michael vick jersey on
0: hell yeah exactly um Yes. If it is Marco Rubio and Ivanka, I want to see that. I definitely want to see that. Um, All right. Well, let's let's talk about what did uh, what did happen in this half of a week of the Biden administration. This was the week where Biden had his first ish week ish in office ish. um, (laughs) And the first order of business has been to undo a lot of Trump's policies, like taking a leaf blower to a mandala made of Stephen Miller's boogers.
1: Yeah, he's he stayed gross.
0: <laughs> Thank you. We got farts. We got sixteen ninety. We've got Stephen Miller's uh, <laughs> nasty, nasty boogers. Just, uh, just solid left analysis here on the situation. room. I'm podcast. doing
1: a, I'm doing a booger podcast after this.
0: So. Oh hell yeah, I am there for it. Well, we can talk because the pandemic boogers have been extra. Anyway, the point is, is Biden uh, is reversing all these policies. He. Uh, Including passing a $1.9 trillion stimulus package to tackle the pandemic and the economic fallout of it, rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement, canceling the Keystone XL pipeline permit, issuing a federal mask mandate, ending the Muslim ban, halting the funding of the border wall and emergency funds used to build it, put a 100-day pause on deportations and proposed legislation that would provide a pathway to citizenship for 11 million undocumented immigrants, and putting our country on track to have an incredible 1995. Just, mm,
1: <laughs> just <laughs> that's nice. where
0: we're at. Yeah. Okay. No, but like seriously, I think we should keep going, keep pushing.
1: Um, and I'm going to brunch. I think that's good. And I'm gonna check out for a few years and, and be confused by the midterms. Why did we lose the house?
0: Yep. You know, if you're comfortable right now, you can just you know listen to the daily podcast and be oh, like, yeah. but how do we pay for Medicare for all? <laughs> No, really. Yeah. But, like, don't you like Aetna? I'm just kidding. Uh, Michael Barbaro has his moments, although I really can't listen to him. Uh, but the
1: cadence. The cadence. I can't do it.
0: It's the cadence. I'm always about to cry. And I'm jealous that he has so many producers. <laughs> um, of course, with everything Biden has done, like clockwork, conservatives and the media have called it divisive um which of course they did because they have the memory of a gnat um this is this is like moving i I was trying to think of an analogy it's like moving into a crime scene and getting called divisive for trying to mop up the
1: blood like yeah
0: how dare you like what what
1: they got to Um, say something they have to say something
0: yeah, they're trying to fix everything that's fucking broken. Um and of course, whenever Republicans are in charge of politics, um it's like everything's a blood sport. And it's fine. Oh, it's a blood sport. The media loves that shit. And when Democrats are in charge, it's like, "No, politics is really a marriage, you know? You just got to work together and just accept one another's flaws and like their histories of inciting insurrection." Um and, you know, and that's abusive. Like, that's not a good relationship. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we have we have an abusive relationship with Republicans. But I think that they like Mitch McConnell saying no to them on some level. Like, I was thinking about that. I was like, so all of Trump's people are like, there, is anybody really a Republican in this country other than the centrist Democrats? Like, I don't understand. Like, if all the Republicans are Trump people, I just think that they want McConnell to tell them no. I just, that's what I think. I am a cynic. The Democrats
0: do? They're like, they get off on that? They're like, well, we can't do anything. Look at his giant waddle.
1: I think maybe Trump was a warning sign that they actually needed to do something for people this time. I don't have a joke with that. That's just real.
0: (laughs) No, I think that's been bonking around in my head this entire week is essentially what I want is a personalized greeting card that's an apology from the Democratic establishment that's like, we fucked up. We've been fucking up for years. We're the reason that Trump was able to ascend to power in a lot of ways and our neoliberal economics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we're gonna do better. And like that to me is like there, we've got this like really small window of not fucking up anymore. Democrats do. Yeah. And I am so afraid they're gonna squander it. But I think they're doing some good stuff. But I'm like, uh huh, and universal healthcare, and green new deal, and you know, no, they took they
1: took a oh. knee, they took a knee for student loan debt.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like a like a George Floyd actual BLM knee, yeah. which was that's nine minutes of Manolo Blahniks for Nancy was hard.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, she's a, she's not young. <laughs>
0: But, so. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, you know, they're floating anywhere between 10,000 to 50. It should be 50,000 to completely abolishing student debt. That one is a no brainer. We talked about on this show uh, that on the show before. Um, but I am I just really want and I I, I the media is not going to do this, but it, it is a time to look back and be like, what the fuck happened? Why did we allow it to happen? And How has our like consensus about politics? I mean, this is the thing is like the reason people go back to brunch is because you sort of imagine that those in power generally have it under control and that a racist fascist is not like a TV celebrity is not going to just sort of ascend and whatever. Like, and now we know that's, they totally don't have it under control. There are no adults in the room and the media fucking loves fascism because it's good for ratings.
1: Yeah. They got to do stuff or more fascism and more patriot party. Well, yeah. So they got to do stuff. No more brunch. No more brunch.
0: No more brunch. Um also brunch is the easiest meal to make, Mike. I don't know about how you feel about this, but
1: Yeah.
0: I'm like I make I can make hash browns. I can do eggs. Right. I can't do dinner. Dinners are harder. Like I can't make a good bowl of ramen, but I could do br- brunch.
1: Yeah, ramen seems hard.
0: Yeah, ramen does seem hard. It's not just No no matter how much soy sauce, it's not going to make the broth any better.
1: Just water and salt. Okay. This is a cooking show. I like it. We get to the bottom of the We have a cooking
0: show. Okay. (laughs) Well, okay. Final, final, final thing. We sort of had tipped this. Mitch McConnell, um, for all you wonks out there, this was the week where Mitch McConnell has been playing hard to get with Chuck Schumer. The two are supposed to work out a power sharing arrangement for the Senate, um, which is just an, like an elaborate agreement to like hold the wishbone together, you know? But like never actually tear it. Um, and the Senate is split, right? It's 50-50 between Democrats and Republicans with Vice President uh, Democrat Kamala Harris being the tie-breaking vote. In other words, it's not split because she's the tie-breaking vote. Right. <laughs> it's, It's 51-50, but anyway, look, I'm not that big into basketball, but Kamala's the effective N1 of the Senate right now. Oh,
1: nice.
0: That was nice. Yeah. So I don't care if the game is tied. Like, that's still a point. I don't know what we're doing with this power-sharing bullshit, but Mitch is making Schumer promise that Democrats won't try and eliminate the filibuster. Which if you guys don't know uh, what a filibuster is, it's this like very technical rule um, whereby Ted Cruz is allowed to publicly (laughs) embarrass himself uh, for um, hours and hours on end until either his wife leaves him or the Confederacy (laughs) wins. (laughs)
1: There was a picture of him eating a Subway sandwich in the airport that I thought was a thousand times funnier than the Bernie mittens, but Bernie mittens. <laughs> and I like the Bernie mittens. I just, uh, Ted Cruz looking like a fatso eating this, eating fresh. It was better to me.
0: I really need that. Eating fresh Ted Cruz. What does he have? He's just like, um, like what is on his sandwich? I don't even know. I feel like it's just American cheese. Shredded iceberg lettuce. Yeah. Mustard, but no mayo.
1: <laughs> and ketchup.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Ketchup. With a
1: with a well done steak with ketchup.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But toasted.
1: <laughs> toasted. <laughs> Make sure you toast that bad boy. He, he thinks it makes so it classy.
0: The, yeah. So the ketchup and the iceberg lettuce have time to like get soggy together.
1: I always toast your ketchup. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Um, but okay, no, but a filibuster basically allows a minority party to block legislation from the majority party, essentially, um, until it meets like 60 votes to pass. So you have to have a super majority to get anything done. Um, the filibuster was invented by South Carolinian John C. Calhoun. Uh, in order to protect slave owners, this is from the New York Times, seeking to protect slave owners against uh, abolitionism, Calhoun envisioned a Senate where this powerful pro-slavery minority would have not just the voice, but a veto. And from the end of Reconstruction until 1964, the filibuster killed only civil rights bills.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything in our country that sounds like makes no sense, like the Electoral College, the answer is always slavery. <laughs> like we suck so bad our rules don't make sense yeah
0: Yeah. absolutely exactly you're like what is that oh no no it's a very technical way of saying white minority rule yeah um yeah the filibuster i was thinking i was like i feel like it's like the police union of the senate you know it like prevents anything important from getting done and it always is gonna like stop reform um Yeah, Yeah, it's it's fucked up. And I think Schumer needs just go his own way. You can go your own way. Abolish the filibuster. We can do this. Apparently, Dick Durbin wants to do that. He's he's a fucking Democrat in the House. I mean, in the Senate. So that's good. Um, But my this has been great. Let's get into the sitch for the week, though, because I know you want to talk about uh, Twitter banning Nazis and Facebook Zuckerberg finding a heart somewhere in his endless, you know, uh, Olympic sized swimming pools of cash. Um, we're going to talk about the role of big tech in the future and, and censorship and what, what, what's going on. What do we need to be demanding as progressives and leftists? This is the sitch. Coming into the habituation room, the associate director and policy and adv- of policy and activism from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Previously, she was a writer and editor of the science fiction and fantasy website io9. Please welcome Catherine Trenda Costa.
2: Hi. Hello, Catherine. How are you? I'm good. I still have my Twitter account, so I'm great. <laughs> Did
0: you lose followers and whine about it like all the other right-wingers who were like, what is going on?
2: I really do love that, like, the sum total of Congress's argument against impeachment was like, but I've lost followers.
0: <laughs> My Twitter followers, though.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I've noticed that Twitter has become a better place since the bans. Um, I feel like it's a little bit healthier. And, and actually, you know, we've had people on this show, Catherine, um, Anita Sarkeesian, who was in the crosshairs of the Gamergate right. bullshit. Um, uh, Carlos Maza, who's been targeted on YouTube and has, you know, YouTube's basically been like, sorry, dude, there's nothing we can do. Why do you think now? What happened I think we know, but but this has been a long time coming for cries for these platforms to actually kick off some people who were inciting violence. What is your take on on why it went suddenly wrong for them?
2: I don't think it went suddenly wrong. The the thing about tech platforms is that they replicate every power inequity that you see in the real world. Like that's what they do. That's their deal. And so all of the things that happened this week, they've been doing to marginalized peoples or people who are in some form of threat for years and years and years, you just didn't hear about it. Um, The right wing just screams louder because it doesn't happen to them ever. And so when it does, they get very angry. Um, The other thing is they're very, the tech platforms are very like follow the leader as soon mm. as one of them does something that gives the rest of them cover to do it. So like, as long as they can like present it as all of us rather than like sitting out on a limb by themselves to get a uh, blowback, then they'll tend right. to, to sort of go together. And I think that's, that is what happened. I also think there was a moment where they realized that it was going to be worse for their hashtag brands to keep them on than it was to get rid of them. (laughs) Whereas before they they were clearly profiting from it.
0: Right. I mean, these are the same platforms uh, that always remind us of, you know, I mean, they love to jump on stuff. They love to try and whitewash or co-opt things like the black lives matter movement, you know, and they like to be perceived as, you know, supporting diversity and anti-racism, but don't actually necessarily and have been making like a huge amount of money off of hate speech i mean we know that this like fake news hate speech that stuff rises to the top you know uh of all the algorithms and it helps them and obviously i think a lot of i think a lot of folks had a wake-up call you know i think everyone had a wake-up call like oh shit these motherfuckers are actually going to do things like storm the Capitol when there's massive amounts of misinformation on the internet telling them to do it and a president who is completely egging them on.
2: Yeah, I also think for the for Trump in particular, it was very clearly he was at the end of his power. So it the blowback to they felt was a lot different. A lot of these companies and this is the thing I actually have the biggest problem with um, have rules and like you should be able to moderate your website however you want. They're private companies. They can do what they want. And if you want to scream nonsense, that's what Parler is for. Like the whole point is that we should get to choose what social media we want to be on um, that and have the rules be enforced. Most of these platforms, Twitter especially had a like weird exception that was like, but if it's a world leader, it's we, we can't get rid of them. Cause they're too important. Right. And like, as I said, it's sort of the structural iniquity being, like, reinforced that, like, he can say whatever he wants, but, like, a sex worker is going to get banned, right? Like, that's yeah. the kind of thing that ends up happening.
0: Absolutely. Ironically, one of his favorite things. Um but you know it's interesting though cuz there's this like far right qu- cry of like this is orwellian you know oh it's all orwell like first of all says the party that fucking loves the slogan ignorance is you know ignorance is whatever strength ignorance is strength war is peace freedom is slavery that like that's
2: their shit um but they orwell were like also is- very much a socialist would not <laughs> would not be on their side of any point in history
0: no, not at all. But they're like, oh, this is Orwellian. And, I, you know, there is a shred of truth there, right? I think the bigger, the better point they were making, you know, discarding everyone who made it. But the point I think that even, you know, folks on the left are interested and concerned about is um, why is this decision in the hands of these tech billionaires and just a handful of them, right? And especially when right. they didn't need access to Donald Trump anymore, right? They, he was on his way out anyway, so kind of just worked out for them, Um so how do we address that? What is that? That like, right. this is ultimately, you know, because people are, well, it's a private platform. They can do whatever they want. And it's like, well, should it be?
2: Um, I mean, it should. These aren't like, this isn't infrastructure. This isn't a thing that like the government needs to be in control of. On the other hand, I think the thing that happens is everyone gets up in arms about speech because it's sexy and the right wing likes it because it's cool and speech is fun. But the problem isn't speech. That's not the issue. The issue is competition. The issue is that somehow there's only, re- like even Twitter's not really that big. Like Twitter is barely anything, really. The number of people who use Twitter is very small in comparison to the number of people on Facebook and YouTube. Yes, like, yes. Those numbers are so huge. Yes. And so it's not as much about speech as it is if there were many platforms and you were just picking the one you liked best, their influence wouldn't be to the point where we would have to care. I would love to wake up and not have to care about Facebook. It's so My goal in life is to go to work and to not have huge chunks of my day be what did Facebook do. Right. Um, and so that's really, and I think that's part of the problem is right-wingers don't like regulation that promotes competition because that's big bad government. And free speech is a much easier thing to scream and have yeah. people like rally around you where it's very difficult to be like antitrust <laughs> exactly but the we can Strate say things like,
0: <laughs> we can say things like yeah b- breaking up big tech is another way i want to get back to that but there's one little thing that sticks in the craw of both people on the right um like fucking josh holly and even people like pelosi are floating whether they need to reform it which is section 230 which yeah. Uh, states that you know these platforms cannot be held liable and responsible for anything that is promoted on them, um, which effectively does give real actual free speech on on them. So, but you know the right is saying we should get rid of it or reform it, and the some of the people like Pelosi are like, yeah, we have to look at that, so we might actually hold them responsible. What? Why is Section two hundred and thirty important, and what would happen if it went away?
2: So. This is the part that I think is very funny because I think the left has a much stronger argument than the right here, because the right's vastly misunderstanding 230. Section 230 is 20 something words long. And all it says is that a service that that third parties use to put content up can't be held liable for the things said by those third parties. Mm -hmm. And it's designed to reduce the risk because if it didn't exist, no service would take on the liability of, like, everyone being allowed to post things or right. anyone being of allowed course. to post things. Um, and without 230, the internet as we know it stops functioning. This website like that we're using to do this stream goes down because it can't afford the chance that someone doesn't like what one of us says and sues them instead of us. Yeah. All of it just shuts down. And the thing that's also really important, and that's why the big tech thing is really frustrating, is big tech doesn't care about 230 that much. They all have the money to be like, sure, put whatever loops you want. We'll jump through them with our billions of dollars. And whatever site is trying to like replace Facebook can't do it. They can't afford all of the money you need to get like lawyers or liability insurance without Section 230. Yeah. So 2.30 is is sort of vital. If you do anything online, there are sort of two laws, but the main one is 2.30. If you post anything online, you're very much relying on 2.30. Yeah. Otherwise, you just have to have your own website that you had in a server that you kept in your own apartment. There would be no other way to put things online. We can't all be Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I mean, you know? <laughs> <It's> like. like <laughs> If we were designing the internet brand new from the ground up, maybe we'd pick a different regime. But as it is, if we get rid of 230, the internet just stops functioning as we know it.
0: Yeah, and what I'm understanding what you're saying and, and from what I've read is that essentially that these giant conglomerates have all the money in the world to shirk any kind of, um you know, uh, whatever lawsuit that might come their way because of getting rid of 230. So actually it kind of helps them. Um, consolidate their power even more so that you're absolutely right a small you know we're using Streamyard or like a new like clubhouse wouldn't exist or any new um, platform that you know you invented would never it's already hard enough I'm sure because we don't have antitrust laws but it would be even harder if section 230 were abolished Um,
2: yeah it's you'll notice that Facebook doesn't oppose 230 reform they mm-hmm. always say they're on board because they know that it crushes their competitors and it's fine for them.
1: Yeah,
0: Mike, have you been checking out Parlor or are you do <laughs> you, do you um do you sort of like lurk? I know there are a lot of like lefties and progressives lurk on there.
1: No, I know that I look like I stormed the Capitol. Like I know that about my face, but I I did I'm not on Parler, and uh, I think that everyone. Who was on there got all of their information stolen recently. So I'm glad that I didn't even like take a little look to see how crazy people were.
0: <laughs> I I know that Apple stopped offering a download for it. I something to where like I, I just know that like a, a giant Russian company
2: recently bought it. Kathy, no. am I, oh, I didn't it didn't buy happen. it? So what happened was Parlour got booted off of AWS, which is Amazon Web Services. That's another huge thing. Amazon's money doesn't come from selling you shit and droning it to your house. It comes from the fact that it is the largest cloud service in the world. It's about 35% of the market. So when AWS kicked them off, all their stuff went down because they didn't have the cloud anymore. And so now they're on a Russian service that put the site back up.
0: Got it. Cool, cool, cool. Just sowing that dissent um, and discord. Yeah. yeah. So in all the good democracy, but I want to ask you about, our privacy rights and like I keep keep coming back to the profit model and the fact that no matter what, I don't have faith that Facebook and Twitter are going to keep this kind of shit off of their platforms because they're making too much money off of it. And for me, it's, I I think you can protect freedom of speech, but we have to remove the profit, the profit from all of this. You shouldn't be able to make millions, billions of dollars from selling people's psychographed, weird under, you know, data back to, whatever nefarious actors or a fucking shoe company I don't care you know but like I think some of the Cambridge Analytica stuff that happened after 2016 really like I dropped Facebook I was like I can't do this anymore this is the fucking worst you know um they're like this is literal big brother shit is them tracking us with our you know our fucking pre-crimes our thoughts our everything like that but what? so what would, if we did try to break up big tech, what would that mean for our data? Could we get back control of our privacy and, and all of that?
2: Yeah, so we talk about this all the time at EFF. I'm in that group. We meet, we spend an hour discussing what this would look like. We tear our hair out and then try to figure out another option. <laughs> um, a big one that one of my colleagues who who is a technologist rather than I'm an activist or a lawyer, uh, he thinks and i think i agree with him that your ad services should be completely separate from anything else you do if you're a tech company um and that you shouldn't be allowed to take your data that you get from users for your user end and combine it with the ad data Mm. so that that sort of helps remove the monetary incentive to like siphon all this data if you can't then hand it over to your ad people and have them say to companies, look how much we know about people. Let's sell them some stuff. Right. Um, and like a lot of studies show too, that the, it doesn't work necessarily better and it's just more intrusive, but the benefit that it is giving to the people who are buying it isn't matching the harm it might be doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, um, so that's I mean- one part of the sort of like idea that if you have several services you shouldn't be able to commingle all that data so that you have a huge picture of people
0: which you're just using to get richer and richer and richer of course as you understand people's buying habits and you know amazon just putting all their products on the you know the front pages and this is something elizabeth warren i think has talked about is you know is things like creating a public utility out of the the amazon platform um Could we envision an internet where some of these platforms are public utilities or is it, no, 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 let's just antitrust them, break them up. You know, you got to sell WhatsApp, you got to sell Instagram and just scale it back
2: a little bit. I think it's a little bit of both and I think it depends on what level. And I'm saying I, because this is very much, I think, not an EFF position. My position is slightly different, which is. When you're talking about the, we call it, there's the stack, right? So there's what's called the edge providers. That's like a website, that's Twitter. That's all of that stuff. That's private, who cares? But the closer you get to infrastructure, I think the more it should be considered a utility. And I think we talk about Facebook again, cause it's like visible and sexy, but I am way more concerned with ISPs. I think ISPs are way dangerous. Um, mm. The majority of Americans, and we know in the pandemic, like you must have internet connection. You cannot survive in the modern world without it. Most Americans only have one choice for broadband. They can, they move somewhere and they only have one choice. And because of the most monopolies, none of these ISPs have any incentive to make their services better. They have no incentive to protect your privacy. Um, They have no incentive not to funnel you towards the content they own compared to the content you may want to see. Um, and because there's no competition, because there's nowhere to go. That's also why our infrastructure is so slow in comparison to a lot of other countries that have public services for the internet. One of the fastest ISPs in this country and the most loved is a public ISP out of Chattanooga. Wow. They were None of the ISPs were willing to give them internet because it cost too much and it wouldn't give them enough subscribers, so they built their own. And everyone loves it there. And it's very fast. And the ISPs reacted not by making their services better, but by lobbying to get laws passed to make it harder for cities and states to get, make their own internet.
0: Of course. But of, but of course. I mean, this is the other thing they do. They funnel hella money into uh, lobbying. That's, that's you know, it's just, again, the, we're yeah. back to the... Um,
2: well, that's why also why like when people talk about harassment, like you were talking about Anita Sarkeesian and so on, you'll notice that if you accidentally play a piece of copyrighted music, your thing will go down so fast, but you can harass someone for years and it will not go down because all of the eggs are in that basket because you were, these people are much more afraid of getting sued by Hollywood than they are getting sued by this poor person mm. who's been harassed.
0: Mm. I know. So, should we all get behind Trump's anti-harassment uh case? Should,
1: should we <laughs> like, be best?
0: Should we just be Yeah, be hey, best. Maybe we should just be best. <laughs> um, yeah, it's that is a really good point. It's all ultimately all about money and um again, just stripping the profit motive which may or may not ever happen. <clears throat> but I do feel like you're never going to fully root out This kind of like awful hate incitement. But you at least like you were saying earlier, there wouldn't be one place where you can get 2.6 billion people Facebook and like immediately, you know, there's a reason that like the inauguration day was relatively peaceful. One, National Guard and actual preparedness. But two, like a lot of those, you know, groups and the events were taken down. And I was reading there was a guy was like, I didn't know it was still if it was still going on. So I just stayed home. Like,
2: thank you. That's what you should have done. There was, a, there was an article recently about how after Charlottesville, the alt-right disappeared as a thing. And part of it was that when they all were on Parlor, it's not fun just to yell at people who agree with you. That doesn't capture new <laughs> minds. And they were just like, no one cares. There's no owning the libs on parlor. Like, it's not fun. And so that's, that's the thing is if you can split these up so that you don't instantly have access to billions of people at a push of a button, and then people who don't want to hear your garbage, and then you don't get a reaction because they've gone to someplace that doesn't allow that because that's the service they want. Right. Then maybe we get sort of back to sort of a reasonable use. Like I'm old enough to remember when Facebook was just for college students and like also just for like a certain number of colleges and you had to have a .edu email address to even sign up for Facebook. Yeah. yeah, go back to ranking girls. Come on.
1: <laughs> Are they hot um, or not?
2: Yeah, yeah. Two clicks. I, the funniest thing in the world was that I think the first suckfest fest after Cambridge Analytica, when a congressman asked him about it, it's like, what was face smash? And we were all sitting in, like, the EFF office being like, oh, my God, he's going to have to explain face smash to Congress.
0: That's great. I know. I mean, that's the other thing is, like, it seems like so much all of our lawmakers are completely ill equipped and i and i i'm not trying to be ageist but it really does feel like it has a lot to do with, with their their own internet savvy and when they grew up and how they campaigned and how they won their seats that they're like hey um you know, what are fiber optics? Oh, excuse me, Mr. Internet. Like, they're just, like, the questions they were giving to Zuckerberg were just like, oh, my God, we are so unprepared to tackle what is a modern-day, like, you know, whatever, internet baron who's, like, owning our entire lives. Like, we can't tackle Bezos if we're going to ask him, like, how come my prime took three days? You know, just
2: like. I, when the words cancel culture started coming out of Jim Jordan's mouth, Oh my my whole soul fled my body <laughs> and I I couldn't recover. I was so appalled. Also, it was supposed to be a hearing about antitrust, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, antitrust is what they were supposed to be talking about. Yes. But like that's not cool or sexy. So I'm just gonna ask if Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos have a have have an opinion on cancel culture. Yeah. And
0: which, by the way, the right has a I mean, they always have like uh, a victim complex. Right. They think they're being victimized. And we know that like the top posts on all of these sites are always right wingers like and and they're always conservative. So they they once again think they're being victimized. And so when they get these folks in front of them, they don't want to talk about antitrust. They want to talk about how they're being biased against conservatives. Yeah,
2: that's and that's what that's also why they want to bring Twitter into all of these meetings, even though like Twitter by no means counts as the same level of tech horror as Facebook, Google, Apple, any of them, because ultimately I don't like I don't even know if Twitter makes money. I don't know if they've ever been in the black. Um, But And Facebook has no problem with that because they can say like, look, we have a competitor, Twitter exists.
0: No, no, it does not, no, yeah.
2: It's a sort of misalignment of the problem and, and a real big concern with say like section 230, a law that's not broken compared to the laws that are broken, which is antitrust. Antitrust is based in this country solely on whether there was market harm which is very difficult to prove for services that don't cost anything because there's no harm to the consumer because our har- consumer harm is based entirely on whether they've price gouged you which none of these services have because none of these services cost anything they've
0: soul gouged us is that a thing if we put, <laughs> put a price on our soul I mean,
2: can we claim that's that's that a, that's com I mean,
1: might not be taken yeah <laughs>
2: That's all like that privacy concerns should be a market harm. That a harm yes. to my privacy should count as a market harm. That yep. that we need to sort of for the new age, we can't rely solely on whether or not the price is good because that's not how it's being delivered to us. Yeah.
0: This is so informative and wonderful, uh, Catherine. Thank you. Is there anything else you wanted to add or or something that you think we should sort of keep our eye on? I mean, we're I guess my last question is just where do you see this going under Biden? I know that, you know, he's got a lot of money from tech companies. And I think that a lot of the Democrats sort of where they they draw the line when it comes to whether they'll embrace more progressive stuff. That's like, you know, antitrust laws and, uh, you know, fucking our own data. And I feel like centrists are like, nope, nope, nope. We're going to work with them. But where where can we push? Where where do you feel like now that we are under a, a Biden administration, we should be pushing?
2: So there's a difference between where we should be pushing and what we should be keeping a really eye on. And that is sort of two things. First, we should be pushing back on 230 changes um, and for antitrust. And and to understand that a lot of the time when you see these 230 changes, they're cloaked in language that you think sounds good. One of the biggest changes to 230 was a law called SESTA-FOSTA.
0: Right.
2: And it is a law that law enforcement told them was a bad idea. And every expert told them was a bad idea, um, but it was supposed to help stop sex trafficking online. And what it ended up doing was basically kicking off sex workers from any platform, including platforms they were using to warn each other about dangers. Yeah. Um, And so that's what you need to look at when you you hear 230, don't think about like parlor, like think about these other cases The second part is, and this has been, it was talked about a lot last year, and it was a really big deal. People noticed it because it was jammed into the corona bus package. Um, There were sort of changes made to copyright law and the internet. Mm. And there's going to be more proposed. And in a Biden administration, it's actually more likely um, because this is going to sound bad. And I'm from Los Angeles, so like, trust me, but Democrats get more money from Hollywood than Republicans do. So they are way more friendly to the idea of copyright. And copyright has been traditionally used as a censorship tool online, because the internet's based on sharing things. You share memes, like Bernie's mittens, right? Like, there's an argument to be made that that is copyright infringement. It's not, it's fair use. But like, if you want to take if you want to take that down, I was just tweeting because I got mad, because my favorite meme, which was uh the Animaniac song with the they pushed me out and mace me line in it, has been taken down due to a claim from the copyright owner. Fuck. So like it is the one of those things that can really affect your ability to to function online. And I am I am very concerned about where that's going to be heading in the next couple of months, years.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. You have like a small channel like this one has like macho man playing uh, because Trump was playing it. And then it's like, nah, there's a strike.
2: You can't do that. I'm like, Oh, my God. That's yeah, why I don't if, like the stream.
0: <laughs> What's up? By the way,
2: if anything happens to you online and you have questions, EFF has numerous ways to help you out. If you are online and you are concerned, we have an info line that'll like get you lawyers. We have many how to guides on our website. Just. It's very, and I am in charge of. Uh, of I am I, and a bunch of the other activists are in charge of of turning the things from the lawyers and the technologists into human speak, so it is it is readable <laughs> for everyone, not just just Yay. nerds.
0: Thank you so much, Catherine. And I've been, you know, I work on a show called Newsbroke on AJ+. We're doing our next episode on big this sort of this exact question, whether it's time to nationalize big tech, although that's a different, you know, it's a whole other can of worms. But um, EFF has been super helpful. The articles that you have, the resources, everyone should absolutely check it out if you haven't already. Um, Have them in your back pocket. And thank you, Catherine. And please, are you going to stick around for our final segment? Yeah, Sure. Mike, you still alive?
1: Yeah. I, I felt so dumb during that whole time. <laughs> you are both very smart people. And I and I was trying my best to go to follow along.
2: You should meet some of the people I work with every day. I'm like, am I the dumbest person in this room? <laughs>
1: well, like the smartest people in my generation decided to try to get us to click on ads. So that's probably why our country's kind of <laughs> fucked, right? you're fine Mike you're (laughs) atoning right now this is
0: atonement um well speaking I'm glad to know that Twitter is probably one of the less evil ones even though they might have been the ones to like they're the smallest and yet they might have gotten the ball rolling when it came to like censoring and taking or taking these fucking Nazis off which is interesting Um, But I love this segment that we did once, which uh, is all about the things we don't say and we didn't have time to say. And because, you know, we're busy and, uh, you know, sometimes tweeting takes a long time. This is a game I want to play with everybody called Finish My Tweet. I love tweets that are in everyone's draft folder. And I I guess I didn't properly prep you, Catherine, but I, I wanted I'll kick it off helping us all finish our tweets. What it, what I, we did a segment that was unsent tweets once. I like those too, but I have a tweet that I didn't finish. I want your help and everyone's help finishing it, which is, um, I wrote, let's start America over and just not
1: blank. <laughs> <laughs> that is so heavy.
0: It's a, and let's start America over and just not what?
1: I mean, we talked about John C. Calhoun earlier. I would say don't fix a thing. If it ain't broke, no notes. You know, America, no notes. <laughs> Perfect draft the way it is. Yeah. America or, good the
0: first time. I mean, that tweet is also fine on its own. It could just be like. Yeah, let's, let's not. Let's yeah, just, let's just yeah. not.
2: Let's just, just let's not. Let's
0: start America over and just
1: not. Just
0: not. No, it's just not Second Amendment. It's just, <laughs> just not. Oh my God, let's just imagine that one day there would be more than a musket or a rifle or whatever the fuck invented, uh,
2: and yes. it was not for hunting. Or let's just instead of not, let's just get some women and non-white people involved in the drafting of any of this.
1: Yeah, let's what? just listen
0: to our wives for fucking once in our lives.
1: Let's start America over and just not 1619 to
0: 1965. (laughs) Deleted. (laughs) I like that. Um, What did I write? Uh, Let's start America over and just not wear buckles on hats
1: this time. That was the problem.
2: Yeah, or like well, instead let's of just you know, not be puritans. Let's start America over again but ah. not start with puritans. Yes, I lo- that's the one.
0: Just not start with raging like niche crazy religious cults. Like
2: with if people we were- who looked at England it was like this is not repressed enough here.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, uh, <laughs> um Mike, do you have any uh, unsent tweets or draft tweets?
1: Yeah, I was trying to figure out Trump basically at the end, like he was the thing that we always said, he, like the, the most hysterical people on the left are like, he's going to do, and then he did it. So what is that like? Is it like if Obama was the last week said, I am a secret Kenyan Muslim. Like, what is that like? <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> right. Like all of the violence that he was inciting the whole time, he finally just made good <laughs> on it. Yeah, Like he kept his
2: promises, you know? That's. It would be like if, if at the end, a Democrat was like, "Also, oh, pizza, pizza gate was totally real." Bye, guys. Yes,
1: yes.
0: <laughs> I like it. I love, love. It would be, um, God, I don't know. I think, I think Catherine got a good one there. Catherine, what do you have in your draft tweets?
2: I have one that I started on inauguration day and didn't finish, which was like, "Welcome to National Other Shoe Dropping Day," where. And then they didn't actually do anything, so I didn't send it. You were
0: like, everyone survived, so I just didn't send that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to National Shoe Dropping Day. We're talking about mittens. It's, it's all about
1: mittens. <laughs> the second mitten dropped.
0: <laughs> First of all, <laughs> you. I'm so glad I live in L.A. because... Uh, I can't fuck with the cold anymore, mostly because I can't keep like two mittens together. Like if you have a pair of gloves or mittens that you continue to have in
1: a year, you're you're like, you're my hero. You sew it on, you get a hook on the inside of your coat. I was no, once a like small a boy. I was a I little was boy.
2: A small boy.
1: <laughs> my wife came home from a, a trip one time, a work trip and she was having she had a, a car ice scraper. And she's from here, so she's never seen one of those. She goes, "I think it's a back scratcher." <laughs> never seen an ice scraper. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? California I know exactly. I was like, okay. you know, I, I was <laughs>
0: thinking about it here, but then I know exactly. Of
2: course, I moved here from New York three years ago, okay. and I keep seeing people in the Bay Area running with gloves on, and I'm like, it's not cold enough. It's absolutely not cold enough. In New York, because losing them is such a pain, you only put them on if you cannot feel your hands. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, they're not accessories. Stop with the fuck <laughs> Speaking of, someone said, uh, "Let's let's do America again. Only this time, not let Ted Cruz's ancestors into the country." Mm, mm. <laughs> Thank you for that. I do think I saw Ted Cruz with gloves on recently, and it was awful. It was like what it, it they felt decorative. They were like tan suede, and you're like, "What are you?"
1: <laughs> he looks exactly I, like Joseph McCarthy, doesn't he?
2: Does he? I does
1: think he know does. That
2: Joe McCarthy would refer to the the version of him that would like lie as a separate person.
1: No, <laughs> I, that's when I was in great. high school, I
2: did a report on Joe McCarthy, and he he like a team of psychiatrists like followed him around like during the Red Scare because they were so confused by him his existence. That's amazing. And they were like, <laughs> he'd be like, that wasn't me. Joe said that. And they're like, what? That's you. I lo- that is a perfect
0: explanation of McCarthyism, start to finish. Uh, I didn't do it. mm Um, basically just seeing ghosts, split personality, yeah. seeing communists everywhere. Catherine Costa, thank you so much for joining me on the Vituation Room. Um, everybody, follow Catherine uh, at K underscore Trendacosta and also follow EFF for all of their work. Catherine, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. This was very fun. You're so fun. I'm so enlightening. Be well. And Mike Bridenstine, where can people find your good
1: work, my friend? Uh, Wherever people listen to podcasts, they can go to Hunk, look up, Hunk with Mike Bridenstine with my name said that uh, yeah, right. way. Yeah.
0: Hunk is very fun. I've been on a couple times. I hope to yeah. go on again. It's just a round table of comics talking shit about the news. And and Mike makes it very fun. It needs to be like a game show. I love it.
1: Francesca's on the election special. You should check that one out. She was, she's always great.
0: I got very serious on that last episode.
1: <laughs> it's the election, man. Everybody's, everybody was heightened. Oh,
0: yeah, and follow Mike uh, at Brido, is that right, on Twitter? At Brido
1: on Twitter, yes, and there's a, yeah. like a link tree to everything. You can get my album.
0: Oh, shit, get get Mike's comedy album while you're sitting at home <laughs> fucking thinking about how you want to go outside and like see real comedy. Yeah. Um, yay, Mike, be well, stay Thank safe, you. good luck with the move and your giant dog. He has a giant
1: dog. <laughs> I do That's have
0: a giant That's not a euphemism, it, he's just got a giant dog. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you to my producer, Becca Rue, for for Kelly Carey and for Dorsey Shaw on the other side of YouTube, making sure these contents keep coming. Uh, And remember, fuck the patriarchy. Fight the power. Don't just bitch about it. Be about it. And this was the week where this motherfucker said goodbye.
1: So have a good life. We will see you soon. Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> choke on your food and die uh just kidding all right this has been the Bituation room you guys you're the best see you next sunday
1: uh love y'all bye